Welcome to the Wrap Yourself in Joy podcast. I'm Karen Dwyer, speaker, teacher, and author of four books on joy. If you are searching for more joy in your life, join me for about 15 minutes every week. It could change your life. This Advent series is based on my book, The Joy of Advent, Journey with the People, Events, and Prayers. Plus, it has an imprimatur. So why not start a Cup of Joy women's group by inviting a few friends to listen to the podcast and meet for one hour over coffee for discussion and prayer. I'll send you free materials. Just sign up at my website, wrapyourselfinjoy.com. The podcast is brought to you by the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. Please subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. Hello, welcome to Advent Joy podcast number seven. I'm Karen Dwyer, and you are listening to the Advent Joy series. It's been 40 days since Jesus has been born, and Mary and Joseph have enjoyed each moment of their dear little baby. After all, he is God incarnate in soft infant skin. Luke quickly moves us along on our journey. We don't have time to tarry. Our next stop, brings us to a very important event that no devout Jewish parent would ever miss. Journeying with Blessed Mary, St. Joseph, and baby Jesus, we are on the way to the presentation of their son, the Son of God, back to God. So let's read Luke 2, 21-24. After eight days had passed, it was time to circumcise the child, and he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of Moses, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, at the time of Jesus' birth, the Old Testament Mosaic Law required every firstborn Jewish male to be circumcised at eight days after birth. So in one sentence, Luke 2.21 tells us that Jesus was circumcised and named. The circumcision ceremony usually took place at home on the eighth day after the birth, even if it fell on a Sabbath. Mary and Joseph and the community knew that an uncircumcised male would be excluded from the Abrahamic covenant and participation in the Passover meal. So it was very important to them that Jesus, through circumcision, would be incorporated into the community of Israel. In Jewish culture, the naming of the baby took place at the same time as the circumcision. Mary and Joseph, by divine appointment, knew what the child was to be called. And so he was named Jesus, which means the Lord saves, a name told to both Mary and Joseph by an angel. Now, Forty days after Jesus' birth, we again find Joseph and Mary following the Mosaic Law for both the presentation of Jesus in the temple and Mary's purification. In Matthew 5.17, Jesus said, He came to fulfill the law, and we see this beginning as an infant. For Mary's purification, Luke writes that the holy parents took care to offer both a burnt offering and a sin offering as prescribed by the law. Leviticus 12.8 explains that if a new mother could not afford a sheep for the burnt offering, she shall take two turtle doves or two young pigeons, one for the burnt offering and the other for the sin offering. So Luke 2.24 makes it clear, the sweet and blessed mother of Jesus, of humble means, offered a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons, as stated in the law. Next, we go to the redemption of the firstborn ceremony that we now call the presentation of the Lord. 
Joseph and Mary brought Jesus to the temple to present and consecrate him to God and ask for God's blessing. According to Leviticus 12, all parents of firstborn sons must make a redemption offering in the amount of five shekels. That's about $60 today. This redemption of the firstborn meant that the parents were redeeming him or buying him back from God. Isn't it amazing that almost 33 years later, it would be Jesus who would pay the price for our redemption by dying on the cross? The Catholic Church celebrates the presentation of the Lord on February 2nd every year, and we read these same verses from Luke 2. This day is also called Candlemas Day because it's the time when candles used in the church are blessed. Most Reverend Fulton Sheen writes this about the presentation. The mother who brought the Lamb of God into the world had no lamb to offer except the real Lamb of God. God was presented in the temple at the early age of 40 days. And over 30 years later, he would claim the temple and use it as a symbol of his body in which dwelt the fullness of divinity. At this very special presentation, we also meet two precious people who recognize baby Jesus as the Messiah. How did they know? Well, let's read Luke 2, 25 through 38. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul, too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Although their lives were different, Simeon and Anna had a lot in common, and their lives from these verses offer us great advice and consolation. For example, both Simeon and Anna were described as deeply spiritual people. Simeon was called righteous and devout, and Anna was described as a prophet and widow who stayed in the temple worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. They loved the Lord, practiced their faith, and did not allow themselves to become bitter or decrepit with the times. Two, both were senior citizens. In Simeon's words, he was ready to die when he saw the Savior. And Anna was 84 years old, having lived with their husband only seven years. But they were active seniors, active in serving God. 
Pope Francis says of the presentation, It is a meeting between the young, who are full of joy in observing the law of the Lord, and the elderly, who are full of joy in the action of the Holy Spirit. It is a unique encounter between observance and prophecy, where young people are the observers and the elderly are the prophets. So no matter what your age, God wants to speak and use you in powerful ways, and it's joyful. You never have to retire from serving God. Number three, Anna and Simeon knew the scriptures. They must have known that the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem, Micah 5, to a virgin, Isaiah 7, and he would be called the Son of God, Psalm 2. And he would open the eyes of the blind, cause the lame to leap like a deer, and the mute to sing, Isaiah 35. Number four, both believed the scriptures and were looking for the Messiah. They may have heard a message was given from the angels, and the shepherds saw a baby born in a stable but they really didn't know the details. Do you look for the Lord? We have even more reasons to believe the scriptures. According to Bible scholars and theologians, Jesus has fulfilled at least and likely over 300 Old Testament prophecies. Both Anna and Simeon were looking forward with hope. Simeon was looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and Anna was looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. The words looking for indicate they were actively waiting for the Savior with hope. Number six, both worshiped and prayed and adored God. They spent time being present with God and communicating with Him. Their eyes went more to God than the news of the day, and that brought them consolation. Number seven, Both were guided by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit instructed them on what to do and where to go. Luke 2.26 says, It had been revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And guided by the Holy Spirit, Simeon came into the temple. Even though the Holy Spirit was not yet poured out universally, the Holy Spirit was guiding them. We have the same Holy Spirit poured out on us today. We can look to the Lord and be guided by the Holy Spirit, and it will end in joy and consolation. Both Simeon and Anna recognized the Messiah. When the Holy Family entered the Temple of Jerusalem, few even noticed their presence. Many people stood at the porticles listening to the Pharisees teach or discuss current religious concerns while others traded in the court of the Gentiles. Mary seemed like just another mother who came each day to be purified. Why would anyone even notice her? Simeon noticed. The Holy Spirit had told him he could expect to see the Messiah before he died. When Simeon laid his eyes on baby Jesus, he knew this was the one he had longed for his entire life. It was the extraordinary work of the Holy Spirit that moved on Simeon to pray and prophesy in joy over this baby, the Messiah. Anna noticed too and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all. We can recognize the promptings of the Holy Spirit. If you don't, ask God to help you recognize Him. Number nine, both received Jesus and were changed. 
As Simeon took the Savior of the world into his arms, the consolation he looked for had come, and it took on new meaning. It was a person, not an event. Simeon's life had changed, and he could now die in peace. His spirit was quieted. His soul was at rest. He had been consoled by Christ. Anna began expressing who this baby really was and with great joy. Are you being changed and consoled by looking to the Savior? He will give you his joy. Finally, both Simeon and Anna received a message about Jesus from the Holy Spirit, and they shared it. Luke 2.34 says, Simeon blessed Mary and Joseph and prophesied to Mary. Anna, too, spoke about Jesus to all who were looking for the redemption of Israel. Are you receiving and sharing the message of joy and consolation? Because as you share, more joy and consolation will come. We also find Simeon's prayer in Luke 2, 29-32. It's one of the great prayers, also called canticles, or little songs of the church. It is called the Nucdemitus because verse 9 in the Latin translation of the Bible begins with the word Nucdemitus, which means, now dismiss your servant. In other words, Simeon was saying to the Lord, now I'm ready to die. You can dismiss me, Lord. I've seen the Savior. Every evening, all priests and religious, as well as all who pray the Liturgy of the Hours, pray the Nucdemitus prayer. Many people of Simeon's time would probably have forgotten the prophetic words of Isaiah. Certainly, the exclusive thinking Pharisees would find Simeon's words scandalous since the Pharisees believed the Messiah was coming only for Israel. However, if they looked closely, they would see the words and themes of Simeon's prophecy are from Isaiah. For example, Luke 49, 6, the Lord says, I will give you as light to the nations, the Gentiles, to open the eyes that are blind. Today and every day, you can pray this beautiful prayer, the Nucdemitus, from Luke 2, 29 through 30. Although Mary and Joseph had great revelation from God through the angels' messages, they were still amazed and consoled at what Simeon prophesied. Jesus would be a sign that will be opposed, meaning that even though he came to bring salvation to all, there would be division and many would not receive him. Simeon also said, this child is destined for the falling and rising of many. The rising of many, Malachi 4, refers to those who would accept Jesus to set them free from sin in this life and raise them up to eternal life. The fall of many, Isaiah 8, refers to those who would stubbornly reject Jesus, leading to eternal death. To Mary, Simeon said, A sword will pierce your own soul for telling the unspeakable pain she would share in her own son's suffering. But her pain would happen with the purpose that the thoughts of many hearts would be revealed. Thus, attitudes toward Jesus would show those who receive and those who reject all of God's revelation. What do Simeon and Anna teach us about waiting for the Lord and finding consolation? Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again are the words we say in Mass as a responsorial psalm after the consecration. Christ will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end are the words we say in the Creed to reaffirm our belief that Christ will come again. 
in a similar way as Simeon and Anna. We look forward to Christ's coming. When Jesus came the first time, he came as a lamb in humility and lowliness. When he comes the second time, he will come in glory as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He will reveal the secret dispositions of hearts. And in the presence of Christ, who is truth itself, the truth of each man's relationship with God will be laid bare. We should all have a desire for his return, as we will be united with him in glory forever, and his justice will triumph. In conclusion, why not spend some time with these verses? Using your holy imagination, see yourself receiving Jesus from Mary's arms as Simeon did. Look into the face of Jesus and give him your shame and your sadness. In exchange, receive his love and his joy. He has come for you. You can't help but be consoled. Then, like Anna, praise God because you have seen the Savior of the world. He has come to give you peace, as John 15 says, Peace I give you, but not as the world gives. He has come to give the world peace, as Luke 2.14 says, Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. He has come to give you his love. Remember Lamentations 3.22-25. His mercies are fresh every morning. Great is his faithfulness, and the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. That's the end of our podcast for today. I'm so happy that you've joined our Advent Joy series. You can find bookmarks for this series on my website, wrapyourselfinjoy.com. My next podcast series starts soon. It's called Esther and Turnaround Joy. Why not ask a friend to join you too? Thanks for joining me today. Please visit me on my website, wrapyourselfinjoy.com, where you can learn more about my books, download free bookmarks, and connect with me. Please follow me on your favorite podcast app and invite a friend to join you too. You can download the show notes from today at wrapyourselfinjoypodcast.com. Until next week, this is your friend, Karen Dwyer, reminding you to wrap yourself in joy. Mm-hmm.